This morning in the beginning of the message, I want to encourage you to take out a piece of paper. You can use your teaching outline, and I want you to write down some uh, numbers that I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to think through this. Here's the first question. How many cars do you own? It should be pretty simple. Most of us would know that. So how many cars do you own in your life? The second question is that how many hours of sleep do you need? Not how many you get, but how many hours of sleep do you need every night? If you'll write that down. Third, third question, when you think about sleep, you think of how many cars you own, how many vacations do you take per year? And uh, it'd be interesting for you to compare with your family, your different answers. And then here's the question I want you to think about. I want you to write this number down. How many genuine friends do you have in life? Genuine friends. And I would say to us, when we think about friends in life, we need to thank the Lord for people who walk with us in life whom we could say are friends. It's possible this morning when I ask you that question, how many genuine friends do you have in life? It's possible there are some in this room, it's possible there's some who are watching. You would have to say, I don't believe I have a single friend. You put zero in that. But how many genuine friends do you have in life? Here's what I'd say about friendships too. Friendships with people, it could be with somebody who's older than you or someone who's younger than you. Angie and I this morning on the way here talked about a dear friend in my life. He passed away a few years ago and he's in heaven. He was old enough to be my dad, but he was a great friend to me in life and to me in ministry. I knew that if I ever had any needs, he would always be there for me. But it could be younger, could be older. And I would say to us as well, I encourage you, when you think about maybe you write one down or four down or ten down, thank the Lord for those friends, for those relationships in your life. And, and as I shared earlier, aren't you grateful that we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother and it's the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and my life? He is always going to be there. He is a dear, dear friend. Now let me ask you this. What, what do you enjoy in life? I could give you a number of things. I enjoy a fresh baked piece of pecan pie. Hot out of the oven, a little ice cream on it, melting over the pie. Angie, she, she can cook great, great bake, great pecan pie. It, it is wonderful. That would be something I enjoy. I enjoy a good piece of fried chicken. Uh, my mom, when she was living, when I was growing up, she used to cook chicken all the time. and She would cook chicken in a cast iron skillet. It was so good. And I haven't had pecan pie or fried chicken in a long, long time. But those things are something you enjoy. Uh, I, I enjoy seeing Duke lose. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't care what it is. It could be table tennis just as long as Duke loses. That's a good day. I enjoyed seeing North Carolina beat them last night. That was a lot of fun. I'll talk about the Kentucky-Tennessee game later. But I just enjoy Duke losing. I enjoy that. Also, I enjoy seeing our church come together under the leadership of Christ and the Holy Spirit and seeing our church worship God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. I love seeing that in our fellowship and our faith family. And then I enjoy relationships in life with many of you, relationships that we walk together with Christ and we serve Him we're friends together, and uh, we walk and serve the Lord together. Those things are wonderful. I hope you enjoy friendships and relationships in your life because life goes by so, so fast. 
Don't ever take for granted your relationship with Christ, but also your relationship with some other people in your life whom you would call friends. As we've been walking through First Samuel, as you know this about David. David and Saul, their relationship was very difficult. Saul tried on many different occasions to kill David. And we're coming to a story here in 1 Samuel chapter 20 about David's life in relationship to Saul. But we're going to be introduced to another young man, Saul's son, but who's going to be David's friend by the name of Jonathan. David and Jonathan had this incredible friendship and relationship. It was a relationship that honored the Lord. And so when you think about a friend, and you're going to see David and Jonathan in this covenant friendship, and you think, how do you define a friend in your life? How would you do that? I would give you this definition that a friend is someone who walks in when everyone else walks out. So as you look at your life, and I ask you, how many genuine friends do you have? Can you name some of those people that when the bottom of your life drops out, they walk in? When it is the most difficult season of your life, they're there for you. How many of you have seen people walk out of your life? I could share examples with you. People who found themselves going through storms and adversities in life, thought they had all these friends, but here they are in the crucible of these things, and those people are gone. They're not even around. Were they really your friends? Now, this is not on the outline, but I want to give you these four levels of friends. And these are hit all of us in this room and those who are watching. But as I walk through this, let me just give you some insight. First level of friend is an acquaintance. You know the person's name, but you don't know much about his or her life. Uh, you couldn't even say where this person lived. You couldn't say what interests this person. You just wouldn't know much at all. We have many acquaintances in life, but the first level of relationship is an acquaintance. Second level of relationship is a casual friend. This is somebody you know the person's name. You may know a few facts about his or her life. Y'all may do some things together. You may play golf together. You may do a pottery class together. You may go to the gym together. It's a casual friend. So you just kind of hang out. You do things together. Third level is going to be a close friend. These are people we know their names. We know some facts about their lives. Maybe we have fun together. Maybe we share convictions. We share uh, different aspects of life together. So these are close friends to us in life. We need many of these people in life. We need some close friends. And then the fourth level of a friend is this, is an intimate friend. You might even run out to the side a confidant. This is going to be somebody who's going to be there for you and with you no matter what's going on in life. When life is up, this person is with you. When life is down, this person is there with you. When you make the right decision or you make the wrong decision, the person is still right there with you. This person loves you unconditionally. This person is not going to jet out of your life. This person is going to be there again when you are rejoicing or when you are weeping. This person is right beside you. And let me go and be bold enough to say this. In your lifetime, if you can name one, two, three, four people who would be an intimate friend to you, you are a blessed person in this life. Uh, we have a lot of acquaintances. We have a lot of people in life who we would consider casual friends. We even have some people who we consider close friends. But when it comes to that intimate friend, somebody who's going to be there when the going is good and when the going is bad, when you have some people in your life that way, you are a blessed individual from the Heavenly Father. So who can you name? Let me go back and ask you again. How many genuine friends do you have 
in life. I want you to look at your outline. I want to walk through a number of things here as we think about this. Number one, friendships. Why are they initiated? Why do we do that? What, do we really need friends? Do I need people in my life? Do I need to be in relationship with people? Can I just do life on my own? Well, I hope you realize the Heavenly Father, he's given us life, every single person here fearfully and wonderfully made. As we understand life, God never designed us to do life solo, alone. He created us for relationships. He created us for community, for fellowship. If you ever go to Africa and you take a safari, you're always going to see animals together. Because what's the king of the jungle? It's a lion. And a lion knows if he can get an animal away from a group of animals, the opportunity to bring that animal down increases dramatically. That's why they're safer in numbers. That's why we need relationships. We have an adversary. We have an enemy. He's roaring like a roaring lion, seeking someone he could devour. That's why we need gospel community relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. God created us for relationships. But I want you to think about these relationships as we walk through this. I want to give you some words here. When you think of David and Jonathan, this relationship was initiated. Very close, very intimate relationship. Going to be there in their time of need. Let's walk through this. I want to give you this first word. Why are they initiated? Here's why. The first word is trust. If you look at your relationships and you see this relationship with David and Jonathan, they trusted one another. David trusted Jonathan and Jonathan trusted David. David's life was at stake. Saul on numerous occasions tried to kill him and wanted to kill him because he was jealous of him. But David and Jonathan had this intimate, close relationship and they trusted one another. Do you have relationships in your life where you can say that relationship, the foundation is Jesus, but the foundation also, as we see, is trusting one another? Do you have those relationships where you trust each other? You say, what does trust look like? I'm going to give you two words you can write in to see here's what trust looks like in a relationship. And we see it modeled in the life and the relationship of David and Jonathan. The first word is the word concern. Jonathan was concerned about David. And David was concerned for his own life because we know again that here's the issue that, that Saul wanted to kill David. And, and so Jonathan was concerned about his friend David. And so when you look at this, you see this insight and here they were concerned about each other. Let me ask you, in your friendships, your relationships, who is concerned about your life? And who are you concerned about? If you're going to have an intimate friend, you're going to have somebody who's concerned about your life. Just as Jonathan was concerned about David, then who's going to be concerned about your life? You need somebody who's concerned about your witness, your relationship, your reputation. You need somebody who's concerned about your marriage. You need somebody who's concerned about your family. You need somebody who's concerned about your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need somebody concerned about your spiritual growth and development, your health. You need somebody who's concerned about you in life. Who do you have as a friend who's concerned about you? Look at the second word. The second word is confidentiality. As you look at this story here, it's, it's a fascinating story because David is, is going to be hiding out because Saul's going to looking to take his life. David's seat at the table is going to be empty. The first day went okay. The second day did not go so well. David is finding himself in the conversation that Saul is saying to Jonathan, where's David at? Jonathan gives an answer and says, I want him brought back here because I'm going to kill him. I'm going to take his life. And so Jonathan and David had created this scheme where 
Jonathan's going to shoot arrows. If the arrow lands beside you, it's okay. Dad's not upset with you. But if the arrow goes beyond you, you need to keep moving on to another city because dad's looking to take your life. And there's little boys involved in the process. Jonathan must be a good shot with arrows. He's going to shoot them. And if it goes beyond David, David, keep going. If it's beside you, it's okay. And so the little boy knew nothing of this scheme, what was taking place, how David and Jonathan created this situation. Knew nothing about it. Why? Because they were confidential with one another. Let me ask you in your relationships, your friendships, you've got trust involved in that. You're concerned about one another, but do you have relationships and friendships where you're confidential with each other? Now, granted, some things we can't be confidential with in life. We are obligated morally and spiritually and legally to talk about those things. But who in your life relationship wise, can you share some of the deepest secrets and needs of your life? And you know, it's going to be confidential with that person. That's going to be a great friend to you when you can share your soul, your strengths, your weaknesses, your, your, your mess ups and your habits and all the frustrations of life. And it stays with that person in a confidential way. You have a great friend. And so when you look at this, you're going to find trust. You're going to see someone who's concerned, but someone who's going to be confidential. Then the last word is going to be the word truth here. Why are they initiated? You need to trust somebody, but you need somebody who's going to speak truth to you in your life. Aren't you grateful that David and Jonathan had such a friendship that Jonathan could speak truth into David's life and say, David, my dad wants to take your life. That's truth. Aren't you grateful that God used Nathan I believe Nathan was a friend to David because after David sinned with Bathsheba, ultimately David's sin found him out. And we see Psalm 51 where David is pouring his heart out before God, confessing his sin. But I believe God used Nathan as a friend to David to say, David, you are the man. Your sin has been found out. You need to confess, repent of your sin and come back to the Lord and find the joy of his salvation in your life again. God was working that way. Who has permission in your life to speak the truth of God to you personally? Have you given some friends in your life to say, I give you permission that you can speak the truth of God into my life? I remember one time a friend of mine, we get together fairly often. He had been in a dating relationship with a young lady and that relationship ended and he entered into another relationship with another young lady and, and, and they were spending some time together, quite a bit of time together. And, and we would see them periodically and we knew that this young lady really had an interest in him. And so one day we were having lunch together, just him and myself, and I was asking about his current dating relationship with this young lady, how things are going. And he said, we're having a lot of fun together. He said, we enjoy each other's company. And I said, do you see the relationship moving forward? And he talked a little bit about that some. And then I asked him a question, sitting at a lunch table, because I, he was a friend I could speak into his life. And I said, and I called by name the young lady that they had, had broken up. I said, what are your feelings still for her? And sitting at that lunch table that day, he, here's what he said. He said, I'd give my life for her. What do you say with that? God gave me, and through the Holy Spirit's leadership, gave me the freedom to speak truth into his life. I said, brother, here's some things I would do. Here's some things I would speak into your life about. 
and, and praise the Lord. He did those things. He did the right thing. He, he was a man. He did the right thing. And I, I could share the rest of the story, but to see how God used that and his decisions going forward to where he's at today, thank the Lord you could speak truth into a person's life. Let me ask you, when you look at your relationships, your friendships, beyond social media, beyond Instagram and everything else, but relationships and friendships, who do you have in your life that, that you trust in your life? Who's concerned about you? Who's confidential in your life? But also, who's going to speak the truth of God into your life? When I look at kids and students and adults, we need some relationships in our lives that are not surface or superficial. We need relationships where we trust each other and we speak God's truth into each other. That's the relationship of David and Jonathan. That's why they're initiated. God wants you and me to have friends. Look at number two, friendships. When are they injured? It's going to get real personal here over the next number of minutes. But I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to work in your life and my life as we walk through God's word and see what he says about friendships and relationships. Why are they injured? When I was in the fourth grade, last day of school, I was playing on the monkey bars at school. It was just a fun day. I made a costly error. I was standing on about 15-foot monkey bars. And when I jumped, I jumped and grabbed the hold of the first bar. And when I did, my weight of my body continued. And when I grabbed it, my wrist went back this way, and it broke my wrist. And when it broke my wrist, naturally I let go, and I fell to the ground. And when I fell to the ground, there was a steel beam at the bottom. My elbow came down and hit that steel beam and broke my arm on the last day of school in five places. And so all summer long, I was wearing a cast and I'd be out somewhere, wherever it might be, and say, how, how did you injure your arm? How did you break your arm? So he's always that. how did you get that injury? How did that happen? Well, I want you to think about some friendships in your life. For whatever reason, those friendships have gone south. And when I ask you, why are those friendships injured or broken in your life? And from God's word, I am grateful when we look at the relationship between David and Jonathan, that relationship was strong, that relationship was not broken. They were loyal to the Lord. They were loyal to each other. Their relationship was appropriate in God's eyes. But what injures some of our friendships and relationships? And I would just encourage you, maybe write some names down. If you look back over your life and say, this, this person, we used to be great friends, but something happened. I encourage you to think through this. Look at number one is gossip. I want, to, I want to just walk through the book of Proverbs here for a moment. But when you think about friendships, what, what injures them? Here's about gossip. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20, 28 says this. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper or a gossip separates close friends. That's the confidentiality part. If you want to break a friendship and a relationship, then you start gossiping or betraying a confidence. And you'll see that relationship injured. I encourage you, if you're going to be a friend, refuse to gossip in that friendship and relationship. Injures relationships. I wonder how many of us in this room are watching, how many of us have had a very close relationship, friendship, intimate friendship, got broken, shattered, is no longer what it used to be because somebody in that friendship relationship gossiped about one another. Happens all the time. That's the word of God. It, it, it just it separates close friends. Look at number two is anger. 
As you look at God's word, we come to so to Proverbs chapter 22. Here's what the Bible says here. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. How many relationships have been wounded and injured because of anger in that relationship? There's righteous anger, but there's unrighteous anger. Jesus was angry, but it was righteous anger. How many people, again, find themselves in a relationship that is strained, that is injured, that is broken, because there's this unrighteous anger in that relationship? I want to encourage you, if you struggle with anger in your life, you struggle with gossip in your life, I encourage you, seek the Lord. Ask Him for help and wisdom. Ask Him to set you free from from a tongue that gossips, but also from a spirit that is angry. Ask him to set you free from that because anger can injure your relationships. Number three is incompatibility. Proverbs chapter 24. When look at this text, it says, My son, verse 21, fear the Lord and the king and do not join with those who do otherwise. God wants us to be compatible in friendships and relationships. Incompatibility is dangerous. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, you may want to write this down, where it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. That's a verse you can live your life on. Because friendships matter. You need compatible relationships. You need people who love Jesus. You need people who love the Word of God. You need people who want to see you obey the leadership of Christ. You need to see people who are going to lead you to live righteous, not unrighteous. You need people in your life who are going to speak the truth of God into your life. You need people who want you to be everything Jesus wants you to be in life. You need some compatible relationships and friendships in your life. Let me ask you this question. Be careful who you enter into friendships with. Uh, we were, when we were in Denver a couple of weeks ago, we were talking with one of the church planters. And, and there was an evangelism strategy where they were to identify five individuals who were lost and, and you seek to reach them for Christ. We do the same thing. But the church planner said the gentleman who uh, that was going to reach out to him because the church planner was lost and this guy was saved, he said, when I look back on it, and this day he said, I had more influence over his life than he had in my life. Let me ask you, if you were standing here on the floor, I was standing here on the platform, is it easier for me to pull you up or is it easier for you to pull me down? It would be so much easier for you to pull me down. That's why you have to be careful about who you say are your close, intimate friends in your life. Are they pulling you up or are they pulling you down? Are you pulling them up? Because again, if you're not careful, be careful. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Compatibility matters. Number four, self-centeredness. Proverbs chapter 28. Look at this passage. Here's where he says, He says, the one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. What does that mean? It means, again, that you can be self-centered in a relationship, in a friendship. But somewhere there's give and take. And be careful about a relationship, a friendship, where it's all self-centered. It's just about that person. It's never about you. It's never about your interests. It's never about your needs. It's always about this other person. Be careful about living a self-centered life. Number five, immorality. Proverbs 29, verse 3, it just says, He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Be careful about somebody who lives an immoral life. There's danger. It's costly. It costs you greatly in that relationship and friendship. I've seen people in friendships because of immorality destroy their character, their reputation. 
I've seen them destroy their families, their marriages, their careers, cost them significant amounts of money. Why? Because they were associating with people who lived an immoral life. What about you? I want to ask you. Look at your friendships. Why are they initiated? You need to trust people. You need people to speak the truth into your life. How are they injured? Those are just some examples from God's word, how relationships and friendships get injured. When you look at your friendships, your inventory those, do you have some relationships and friendships that have been injured or wounded because of one or more of these things? Number three, friendships, how are they improved? I want to walk through this here over the next few minutes. Again, if you're a team, and I would imagine that the University of Kentucky Wildcats probably looking at film today and saying, based on how we played last night against a great team, I want to say that, a great team like Tennessee, how can we improve going into the next game? It's wise to do that. Say, well, here, here's, we let our guard down here. We didn't play good defense here. We didn't do this, do that. How do you improve as a sports team? Companies do this all the time. They, they look at it. Their earnings, not what it needs to be. They have enough customers, not making stockholders enough money. And they get together in boardrooms and say, how do we need to improve? What do we need to do different so we can make more money, but also we can make sure our shareholders are in a good place? Churches do this all the time because we look at it and say, why are we declining? Why are we dying? Why are we reaching people? Why have we used the baptistry in X number of weeks? And they say, how can we improve as the Holy Spirit leads? What do we need to do to improve? Those are wise conversations. And then I want to say to you, if you inventory your friendships, and I said, how many genuine friends do you have? And then you realize, here's why they were initiated. Here's how they were injured. But how do those relationships experience improvement? I want to give you some steps here that will help you. When I look at David and Jonathan, I see these characteristics in their relationship, their friendship. They will improve relationships and friendships in your life and my life as well. Here they are. There's seven of them. Number one, invest time. If you're going to have great friendships, they require time. What does that mean? You need to spend time together. Uh, you need to go go have lunch together, go have dinner together, do things together. You need to call each other on the phone. You, you need to show up when there's a need. Do you, who in your life, if your world fell apart at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, who's going to show up in your life? Let me ask you this. If your world fell apart at 2 a.m. in the morning, Who's going to call? Who's going to show up? Who's going to be there? Those are your real genuine friends. But if you're going to be that kind of friend and you're going to have those kind of friends, you've got to invest time in that relationship. And again, in our world with so much communication, we, we can do those things. But, but who in your life, again, are you investing time with? If you're going to have genuine, intimate, confidence, friends, you need to invest time in those relationships. Number two, speak truth. If you're going to see those relationships and friendships improve, you need to speak truth. Again, who have you given permission to speak truth into your life? Who are you speaking truth into? Here's what I mean by that. Who has permission in your life? You're not living faithful to Christ. Your relationship with him is not what it used to be. Who have you given permission to to say, if you ever see me walking unfaithful to Jesus and drifting in my relationship to him, I give you permission to speak the truth of God into my life. Who, who does that for you? 
let's say you're, you're flirting with a relationship that if that relationship went to the next level could destroy your life, could destroy your character reputation, could destroy your marriage, destroy your family, destroy your witness for the Lord Jesus. Happens all the time. Who have you given permission to speak into your life to say, if you see my relationship heading in a direction that could be devastating for me and others around me, I've given you permission. Speak the truth of God into my life. Who are those people in your life? Who are those? And then you look at your life one day and you realize your life has become more about you than it is about Jesus. It used to be the other way around, but now because of self-centeredness, because of the temptation to this world, life is about you. Who have you given permission to sit and look you in the eye and say, listen, because I love you and you're speaking the truth based out of love, not out of hate. You're speaking the truth out of love, but you've given permission to say, I want you to know over the last number of weeks or months or whatever it may be, your life is more about you than it is about Jesus. Something needs to change in your life. Who have you given permission to do that? Again, healthy relationships speak truth. Number three, listen well. Folks, we have so many ways to communicate in our day. You would think this would be easy. But it is very difficult for us to communicate. Why? Because we're not very good listeners. And in and, and a healthy friendship and a relationship, you don't have to do all the talking. You can listen to other people as they speak. Sometimes here's what people are going to say. I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to listen to me. Do you know how to listen to people? I've had conversations with people. And I've been standing there with them, sitting there with them, talking, talking, talking. And honestly, in my mind, I'm thinking, you didn't even hear anything I had to say. Because you're either on the phone or I could tell you your mind was a thousand miles somewhere else. I was in a meeting the other day with some of our staff and there were four of us in the room and three of us were on our phones and the other person said, something wrong. We said, no, nothing's wrong. Well, every one of you guys are on your phones. Well, we're trying to look at a date that we just came up with. We're not searching the internet. We're just looking at a date. But, but when you look at that, who, are you paying attention? Are you listening well? If you have a, a great friend and you see those relationships improve, learn how to listen well to people. What's going on in your life? What does that really mean? How can I come alongside you? Number four, extend forgiveness. This is big. How many friendships have been injured, still injured today because of a spirit of unforgiveness? Do you realize as believers in Christ, we, we, we shouldn't live with an unforgiving spirit? Why? Because look what Jesus Christ on the cross did for you and me. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to a cross and shed his blood, took nails in his hands and feet, crown of thorns over his head, a spear piercing his side. He shed his blood because he died for you and for me. He has forgiven us of our sins. And Paul said to the believers in Ephesus, just as you have been forgiven in Christ, you should forgive one another. So don't walk around with a spirit of unforgiveness. Extend forgiveness to say, your words hurt me, your actions wounded me, but I forgive you because I've been forgiven in Christ and I need to forgive other people. Friendships. Extend forgiveness because look at the grace of God poured out for you and me and the person of Jesus Christ. Let's extend forgiveness to other people. Number five, sacrifice agendas. 
If you're going to see those relationships improve, somewhere you've got to be willing to sacrifice. It's not all about you. It's a give and take. But living as, aren't you grateful Jesus sacrificed for you and me? He's a friend that's closer than a brother and he sacrificed his life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, here he is praying on his face before the Heavenly Father. May your will be done and not mine. That meant death on a cross, burial in a tomb, but resurrection three days later. Jesus sacrificed for you and for me. In friendships, whom are you sacrificing for? Number six, model love. Genuine love. Uh, we, we see all sorts of things modeled out there, but you need to model genuine love and friendships and relationships. And then number seven, display trust. You need to trust each other. Let me ask you this. What happens, though, if you're in a friendship with somebody and trust is broken? What happens to that? Let me give you these three words, not on the outline, but I just encourage you to write them down. If you're in a relationship, friendship, trust has been broken in that friendship, here are three words I'd encourage you to to put into practice. Number one is confession. To the Lord, but maybe to somebody else, say, I hurt you. I wounded you. Our friendship is injured. And I confess that and I, I make that known to you. Second word, forgiveness. You hurt me, you wounded me, trust has been broken, but because of Christ, I forgive you. And maybe you need to say to somebody, I forgive you, or would you forgive me? It's about forgiveness. Third word is accountability. You need to put some accountability people in your life so that that trust is not broken again. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to say that again. I need accountability in my life trust why are friendships initiated we need we need trust we need truth how are they injured many ways we see from God's word how friendships get injured how they improved if we will carry out some of these steps in life one two three four five of them you'll see those friendships those relationships start improving but again Jesus is the friend who's closer than a brother I want to encourage you right here as we come to the invitation three things. And not only outline, but I should encourage you to think through these. One, praise Jesus for being your friend. As we stand here in just a moment, this altar is going to be open. Our pastoral team is going to be here. Prayer partners are going to be here. Maybe you get on your knees where you are in the pew. You come forward and get on your knees. You stand before the Lord, whatever it may be, and just say to him with worship and praise to say, Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, my best friend, thank you and I praise you for being my friend. You'll never leave me or forsake me. You'll never walk out of my life. You'll never turn your back upon me. Thank you, Jesus, for being and loving me unconditionally and being my friend. Second thing I challenge you, thank Jesus for other friends. I wonder how many of us need to come before the Lord and just say, Lord, thank you. How many genuine friends do I have? And you put them on one hand. And you start naming, I want to thank you, Lord, for this person. Lord, I want to thank you for this person. God, I want to thank you. This person 
two in the afternoon, two in the morning, going to be there. I trust this person. Lord, I thank you for the way he or she speaks truth into my life. Jesus, I just want to thank you for this friendship. And then number three, seek Jesus for broken, injured friendships. I'm confident there are people in this room. I'm confident there are people watching another state, another nation around the world. There's a name, there's a face, a broken, injured friendship. And you just say, Jesus, seeking you how to reconcile and restore that friendship. And let the Lord through the Holy Spirit lead you to do that. David and Jonathan were intimate friends in life. Who's that person in your life? I want us to bow together as we pray, and today we're going to sing just as I am. We can come to him just as we are. And I want to say to you in the room, and those who are watching, if you're lost today, you're outside of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need forgiveness. You need salvation. You need to be born again. There's only one way to be saved, and his name is Jesus. There's only one name will save you, and his name is Jesus. I want to encourage you, give and surrender your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Let him save you. Let him make you born again. To give you the assurance that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. What a glorious decision that would be today. As heaven celebrates, we would celebrate with you. I want to encourage you to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. If you know him, but you've never stood publicly before other people saying that Jesus is the Savior and Lord of your life by being obedient to him in baptism, make this the day that you do that. Join a fellowship of this church. You need God's people. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. He created us for community, for family, relationships. You obey the leadership of Christ today and come. He's calling you to ministry. We'd encourage you to obey the leadership of the Lord. You need other people when you say yes to his call. But also I want to say today, if you need to praise him because he's your best friend, you need to thank him for other friends in your life, and you need to seek him about injured, broken friendships, let this invitation be that you can come to Jesus just as you are and watch him work in your life, in your relationships, and your friendships. He's amazing, and he welcomes us to come. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for Jesus, our best friend. Thank you for other friends in life. Thank you, Lord, that we can even seek you about broken, injured friendships. And Lord, I'm thankful today, whether it's salvation or baptism or church affiliation or some other spiritual decision, we can come to you just as we are. But hallelujah, Lord, we leave very different because that's how your grace works. So thank you, Lord Jesus, as we sing, just as I am, we come, Lord, to you. And I pray this today in Jesus' name, amen.